Father wants you to be free. That's the reason why he sent Jesus. The Bible says, for this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one, to break every chain, to break the chain of shame and guilt, ignorance and despair, depression and insecurity. God wants that light to shine in your hearts. Right at the beginning, He said, let there be light. In the opening chapter of John's gospel, He said, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. And as we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what the Father wants for each one of us this morning. That that light would come flooding into our hearts and that we would experience freedom. Jesus said, if you are truly my disciples, you will abide in my word and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I want to pray for us this morning that each one of us would open our hearts for the truth of God's word to come in to our hearts and for that light to shine and to chase away every last shred of darkness. Father, you sent your son Jesus to set us free and we declare, Lord, our eternal gratitude to you for your goodness and your kindness shown to us. Lord, that you would send your son and then you sent your Holy Spirit to bring us into this place of truth, to bring us into this place of light that every bit of darkness would be chased away. So, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts this morning. Open our hearts, Lord. We turn our hearts towards you. Lord, that, that our faces, our hearts would, would experience the full glow of the sunshine of your love. Shine, Jesus, shine into our hearts this, this morning, we pray. And may we experience your truth rushing in to our hearts and into our heads. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a joy and a privilege to be with you today and to be teaching from God's Word. My name is Anthony, and the, the title of my message is Higher Reality. Our text today is Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 until verse 10. But first, I want to commend to you a person called Lydia. We read about her story in Acts chapter 16. Um, Luke tells us that she wasn't yet a believer, but that she was a worshiper. She was seeking God. And um, Luke writes that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. My prayer is that the Lord would open our hearts as we pay attention to his word 
this morning. Right, let's go to our text. As I said, Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is supernaturally powerful to change us, to transform us, to take us from one level of glory to another, to, to do this work for which you were sent, Lord Jesus, that we might be conformed into your image. We might be changed to become like you, that we might grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. It is your word that achieves all of that. And Lord, we praise you for your word. We thank you for this text. And we pray, Lord, open our hearts to be changed by your word this morning. Amen. I'd like to start by framing the first four verses in the context of Paul's reference to dying in verse 3 and being raised in verse 1. This is the continuation of the theme that he covers in uh, chapter 2. Um, which Pierre covered last week, you know, verse 12, 13, and 20, where he says that we are buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and we demonstrate this faith through the act of baptism, we identify with Christ's death and resurrection. And in fact, we do die to the law of sin and death and are therefore no longer in the grip of sin's power, as Paul explains in Romans chapter 7. Furthermore, we have been raised to new and eternal life in Christ. This is the essence of the gospel. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live no longer on my own, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We will return to the theme of the old self and, and the new self shortly, but I want to focus in on three imperatives or doing words in this passage of Scripture. They are to seek, to set our minds, and to walk in newness of life. And we are exhorted to do these three things precisely because we have died to our old self and our past, and we have been raised to new life and a higher reality. And when Jesus appears, then we will also join with him and be clothed with his glory. Let us dwell for a moment on the first imperative, which is to seek him. 
and the things of his kingdom. And, and friends, let me be absolutely clear. There is no obtaining of the blessings of God. There is no enjoyment of the freedom that God wants for you to have without first seeking him. So you don't get until you seek. As, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then all of this will be added unto you. And then a chapter later, in chapter 7, he says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. But without seeking, there is no finding. There is no obtaining. There is no enjoyment of the blessing of God. I love the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29, not verse 11, but verse 13, when God says, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And uh, the, the author of the, the epistle to the Hebrews in, um, in chapter 11, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of, this is from the new King James, those who diligently seek him. And this is the exhortation of the Apostle Paul in this passage, that we would be those that diligently seek him. And then my favorite psalm, Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. This is what God is looking for from us, that we would seek him, because when we do, then the windows of heaven fly open and the blessing of God is poured out into our lives. But we need to seek Him first. So our first and highest task is to seek Him, pursue Him, treasure Him, press on into more of His truth and His presence, enjoy Him, and increase in our knowledge of Him, as Paul prayed in, uh, in Colossians chapter 1. We can never get enough of Him, but let us commit our lives to seeking more of Him and His kingdom, what Paul refers to as the things that are above. Now, the second imperative is that we set or fix our minds on the things that are above. So once we've sought him and his kingdom, we are to fix not just our hearts, but our minds on the things of his kingdom. God wants us to serve him and worship him with our minds as well as our hearts and our bodies. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. So a lawyer comes to Jesus and tests him with this question. Sorry, excuse me. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. Not just with our hearts, not just with our bodies, but with our minds. And I intend for this to be the focal point of my message, not because it's more important than seeking God and walking in his ways, but we talk about that a lot already. But church, when it comes to setting our minds on God and the things of God, I think that's where we're lacking. I think that's where we have a problem. Let me read a quote from an American preacher called Vody Bockham. The modern church 
is producing passionate people with empty heads who love the Jesus they don't know very well. Ouch. Let me read that again. The modern church is producing passionate people with empty heads who love the Jesus that they don't actually know very well. When I look at the behavior of the modern Western church, and in particular its vulnerability to prosperity preaching and fake news and conspiracy theories, I've got to say, I think he's got a point. There's no shortage of passion, but there's plenty of doctrine and behavior that sounds and looks very different to the Jesus that, that we read about in the Gospels. And if we are to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives and become like Jesus, as per Romans chapter 8, verse 29, when Paul says, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, then we need to train and develop our minds and be thinking Christians with our minds firmly set on the things that are above. Ah, but you say to me, I already have the mind of Christ, quoting from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture of Albert Einstein as a baby, apparently. I took it from the internet, so who knows whether it's real. But the point is, how good was baby Einstein at differential calculus and the theory of relativity? And you think this little baby could have explained to you the space-time continuum? Probably not. This little baby is probably no good at this stuff at all. But this baby has the mind of Einstein. The problem is that his brain is not developed. It hasn't been trained. It hasn't submitted to the rigor of instruction. That was Pierre shouting, Amen. Amen. <laughs> it hasn't been submitted to the rigor of problem solving and engaging with other scientists uh, in discussion and debate. So he might well have the mind of Einstein. But you see my point. You, you won't be thinking the thoughts of Jesus, even though you've got the mind of Christ, if you haven't taken the time to be taught by God's Word, to be taught by His Holy Spirit. If you're not diligently studying the Scriptures and carefully listening to the preachers and teachers that God has gifted to your local church. And I know this is an ongoing process. It won't end until we are with Jesus. That we can say with Paul, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. Hear the exhortation of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to, to, the, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And even as we read in, in the scripture, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, the new self must be renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, Jesus. Paul's concern for the Colossians and, all, and for all those believers that he hasn't met, including us, is that we would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. That's what he said in chapter 2, verse 2. Lest we be, de lest we be deluded by plausible arguments. That's chapter 2, verse 4. And of course, arguments are won and lost in the battleground of the, of the mind. Or we are taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. That's in verse 8. That's why he implores us to fix our minds on the things that are above. So what are these things that are above? What is the higher reality of which Paul encourages us 
encourages us to partake. He, he wants us to be immersed in this higher reality. Well, there are lots of aspects to this. There's, there's not really any right or wrong answer, but I'd like to highlight a few. And I'd like to start off with talking about the beauty of God. Wasn't it lovely to wake up this morning and to see the clouds on the mountain, to see, uh, to see all, all the wetness around us after, after rain in the morning? And, and God wants us to experience His beauty. He, uh, in Psalm 90, uh, the psalmist prays, may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Um, in Psalm 8, O God, O God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have made. And, and you, Psalm 19, um, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above displays his creative genius, his handiwork. God wants us to appreciate his beauty, the beauty of a shared cup of coffee with a friend, the beauty of your children, the beauty of a bird, of a dragonfly, of the mountains, of the sky. All of that reflects His beauty because when we participate in His beauty, when we immerse ourselves in His beauty, when all of our senses experience His beauty, then we have an encounter with Him. And, and His beauty ushers us into a place of greater awareness with Him where we, we get to experience the, the incredible genius and complexity and sovereignty and majesty of our God. That, that's a good way to start off when we're talking about setting our minds on the things that are above. So, so can I encourage you, set your mind on the beauty of God. And it's amazing how, how depression and insecurity and guilt and shame and any bit of darkness falls away in the, in the face of the beauty of God. And then how about all, all of his blessings, the benefit of knowing him? So David says to his soul in Psalm 103, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sin, who, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your soul with good things. And he says, O my soul, do not forget these things. So what he's saying is, set your mind on all the, the blessings and the benefits of knowing God. What about the unity that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all of heaven enjoy? And God wants us to set our minds on that unity so that we will be determined in everything that we do to bring about unity of the faith uh, among brothers and sisters. What about the truth of God? God's truth containing his word that sanctifies us. Jesus prays for us in John 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And, and, and we spoke about how God's word sets us free. So we will be free indeed. To be sanctified means to be changed, to be improved, to become more and more like Jesus. And, and I think Paul is encouraging and exhorting us to set our minds on the truth of God which can set us free so that each day you are immersing yourself in the Holy Scriptures, embedding those words in your heart and the truth of God um, changes us. Now let me pause for a moment here and comment on the power of God's word to cleanse and renew our minds. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the author, the author says that the word of God is living 
and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. Now, there's an, a, sometimes an incorrect perception that the soul, including the mind, is inherently bad, and that the spirit, once redeemed, is good, and that the word of God separates the soul, bad, and from, from the spirit, which is good. But that's not at all what the text is saying, I believe. I believe it's saying that the word of God is able to cut away wrong thinking that belongs to the old self from our mind, and then to train our mind to be fixed on God and his truth so that we become renewed, not just in spirit, but also in all of our soul, including our mind and our emotions, so that we can worship Jesus with our minds as well as our spirits. And of course, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him in this way. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And, and, and I propose to you this morning that we cannot worship God in truth unless we are immersing ourselves in truth, unless our minds are set upon that truth. What of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Heaven is full of love and peace and joy. Let us set our minds on the fruits of the Holy Spirit and, and pray and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me where I am lacking in self-control and faithfulness and gentleness. And may my mind be set on improving myself by your power, see more of your fruit born in my life. And then finally, I want to conclude in talking about the things that are above by talking about the ways of God. In this regard, I turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Again, this is one of my favorites. God says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. And let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he knows and understands me that I am the Lord practicing steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. We read in Psalm 95, verse 10, that God was displeased with the nation of Israel. This is the generation that came out of Egypt. They knew all about his acts and his great deeds. Oh, they'd seen the, they'd seen the miracles, the plagues. They'd seen him pass the Red Sea. They'd They'd seen the, the manna in the morning. They'd seen the quails. They'd seen the, the fiery pillar by night and, and the cloud by day. Um, but in contrast to Moses, this is from Psalm 103, they did not know his ways. They knew his acts, but they didn't know his ways. But Moses was called the friend of God because he knew his ways. These are the things that are above, the things that God practices. Now, You've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. God doesn't need to practice because he needs to get better at doing something because God is already perfect. But he practices these things. In other words, he does them over and over and over and over again because that is his nature. And this is what he does. He does steadfast love and justice and righteousness. And these are the things upon which we are to set our minds. We are to change our thinking so that our opinions about social justice, race, fairness, 
generosity, suffering, sacrifice, servanthood, significance, all of these things, the list could go on, are consistent with God's opinions on the matter as modeled by our servant king, Jesus. We come to the, the third imperative, which is to put away earthly things and practices in which you once walked and to put on the new self and to walk in newness of life, to have a walk worthy of the Lord and the calling to which you have been called, which Paul prays in both Colossians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read through verse 5 to 10 again. Verse 5 and 6 could just be some of the harshest, most severe in the New Testament. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The passage is very clear and requires little further explanation, but I would add my observation that these are the major sin challenges that the church is facing today. Firstly, sexual immorality, which is all sexual conduct outside marriage, which, which the Bible defines exclusively as between a man and a woman, just in case it wasn't clear. Secondly, covetousness or greed or love of money. Thirdly, idolatry, whether it be the cult of self, the cult of celebrity, the cult of culture, or ancestral worship, or the worship of any other idol. These three things are big issues that we as a church, that churches all over the world, are dealing with. Now, every nation is all about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to follow Jesus, to walk in the path to which he calls us. You're either walking the road God's, God wants you to walk on, as in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for a life of good works which he planned before and that we might walk in them. Or you are walking on a highway to eternal separation from God. You're either following Jesus or you're following the world and the devil. And Paul makes this very clear in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Who are you following? Along which path are you walking? In Romans chapter 8, Paul brings these two concepts of setting our minds and walking according to the spirit together. He says that those who live and walk according to the Spirit must set their minds on the Spirit. Let me read it to you. God condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in those of us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live or walk according to the flesh set their minds, exactly the same words, set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit those who walk according to the Spirit, those that follow Jesus set their minds on the things of the Spirit, the things that are above. Let us not be empty-headed Christians with just a passing familiarity with the teachings of Jesus 
and of his divinely inspired apostles. Lest we stumble and fall and are deluded by plausible arguments and taken captive by philosophy and empty deceits. There are so many false teachers out there. And that false teaching is easy to access. But God wants us to hold fast to sound doctrine. Paul prays for the Colossian church and by extension us that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That we would increase in the knowledge of God. Peter echoes this prayer right at the end of his second letter when he prays that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus our Lord and Savior. And this involves the renewal of our minds according to his truth contained in his word. As Paul urged Timothy in his second letter, chapter 2, we are to read and study and meditate on his truth and to do what it says. Let us be like Lydia and pay attention to God's word and to those who teach us sound doctrine. Let us allow it to change the way we think. Let's be passionate people, absolutely. Let's be passionate people, but also people whose minds are renewed according to God's word and according to his Holy Spirit, sanctified by his truth and rightly handling the word of truth. Let us be seeking, thinking, and walking Christians. Let us pray together. Lord Holy Spirit, we need your help to change the way we think so that we think the thoughts of Jesus. Please use the word of God to cut away selfish and harmful thoughts that belong to the old self and help us to fix our minds, being renewed day by day on the things of the Spirit, the things that are above, so that we might walk and live in newness of life. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Um, thank you, Anthony, for sharing such an incredible word with us. Uh, I was showing the team there that I'm all over my Bible, just going through all these scripture references. But I, I love that challenge, is to see Christ, to think about Him deeply and according to His word and to walk in His ways. It's actually so simple. And that's what I love about this letter of Colossians. It's a real practical application for us this morning is to, to seek him out, to think about Christ and what it is to have the mind of Christ and then simply to walk in it. And I want to leave you guys with, with just those three actions once more and say, go into this, this week and, and think, about often, think about God often. Think about him once we conclude this morning. Think about him tomorrow when you wake up. And then Spend time in His Word so that your mind is, is set on Him. And then as you do, you will find the way everlasting. And you'll be able to, to walk in it. And I want to take a moment and just, um, to just mention to you guys that, that we know and I know that we are all desperate to get together in, in larger groups, to, 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 to meet up as we would love to. Next week, we're going to carry on in Colossians. And it speaks about coming together and, and encouraging one another and singing songs and all these things that we ought to do as a church, but I wanted to ask for your prayers this morning. Uh, we really need the wisdom and, and guidance of God for us as a church in gathering beyond the season. Um, for various reasons, uh, finding the right place to gather, the right venue, the long-term perspective of what God has for us as a community, 
And in the meantime, I pray that we also pray for one another for patience and endurance to, to get through this season. But we wanted to let you know that we are not just acting on what is around us and, and responding to regulations. We are deeply seeking God, um, fasting every week, some of us sometimes a couple of days in a week, and really saying, God, what do you have for us as a church in gathering beyond this season? We don't know what April is going to bring. For now, it's still only 100 people indoors. And that's why we said it'd be great for you to gather in homes. Yet, that being said, we are making plans to have an outdoor event uh, on Good Friday on the morning, a time of worshiping together. And um, we'll share more of that. And then the following week, we hope to gather in person outdoors at Zola as well, with our every nation, Zola and Kailicha. And hopefully some of the Eastern Cape guys will be there as well. So we'll share more of that to come. But this morning, I wanted to just extend an invitation to every one of you to pray with us not just wait with us until we know what the next season is, but to pray with us, to pray for us as a leadership team, to really hear the voice and the leadership of God in this season. So as you, as you set your mind on Him, as you think about Him, as you walk in His ways, also do that in, in light of not just your walk with Jesus, but our community pursuit of Jesus as a family together. And I believe that we are still in for seeing amazing things happen in our midst for the year of 2021. I also want to remind you that we still have our reading plan online for Colossians. We only have two more weeks in, in this incredible letter. So get engaged. Children, I hope that you are reading your own reading plan on Version. Continue to do so. And let me conclude this morning with, with blessing you with this. I bless you with the knowledge of the Father whose light has shone into your life and have showed you the face of Jesus. I bless you with encounters with that face of Jesus, to know him, to pursue him, to become like him, to become Christ-like in your walk. And I bless you with the ever-assuring presence of his spirit upon us, who lets us know that Christ is with us in all times, in all seasons. And I bless you to be illuminated with the light of Christ shining in your life this week. And we do all of that in a most beautiful name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have an awesome day. Have a fantastic week. And we will be back here in this space next week, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We'll see you there.